Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. Uh, I would be interested to know the purpose of your visit. Surely just knowing you will help to elevate my art. Well, you know, a little thick there perhaps, but <laughs> she's trying. <laughs> I am not sure whether my husband's interest in the arts is has much of anything to do with the art itself. I will tell you that we have heard tale of your husband's attitudes and appetites. He left recently on a long trip and he isn't expected back anytime soon. They always think they're cleverer. And the Duke may be the least clever of them all. My my entire like aim in this game is to advance my career. <laughs> How do you feel about being painted with a mask on your face? <laughs> <laughs> it seems as though you are for some reason looking for this Celeste. If she truly is my husband's newest mistress, I would look on Avenue Montaigne. That's where he keeps his apartment. On the desk in the library, there does seem to be some handwritten notes. Do they look like the same handwriting? They do not. I really hope I live to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I know this will sound strange, but have you seen anyone wearing a white face mask? You walk in here and you get the sense that Celeste is living here. Carcosa. Date unknown. Abigail Wright made her way through the crowded ballroom, looking for someone, though she wasn't sure who. The huge, pristine ballroom was filled nearly to capacity by people, and an equal number of fine pieces of art covered the walls. Abigail continued to look around, sure she had to tell someone something. What was it? Her eyes were drawn to the dark, shadowed areas on the outskirts of the ballroom, where an imposing figure circled his way around. She didn't need to see the white mask or the silver and gold robes to know who it was, and she immediately turned her attention elsewhere. No need to draw his attention. As she looked back around at the crowd of people, she spotted a woman and was immediately sure that this was the person she was meant to speak with. Abigail made her way over to her, blue ball gown gliding around her as she walked. Not really knowing what to say, Abigail smiled at the young woman. Hi, she said. Hi, the woman said back, just as unsure what to say but seemingly eager for someone to talk to. I'm new around here. Are the parties always like this? Noticeably relieved, but still unsure what it was that she knew she had to tell this woman, Abigail forced herself to make small talk until she could figure it out. The young woman seemed pleased to have someone to talk to, at least, and the conversation didn't feel forced. As she racked her brain, Abigail couldn't help but notice the figure in the shadows lurking just out of sight. Something told her, though she couldn't see his eyes, that he was staring at them. No, Abigail realized. He's staring at her. Should I warn her? Is that what I have to tell her? The young woman was saying something, but Abigail interrupted. You know, I think he's looking at you. Who? The young woman asked. You know, him, the, well, the superintendent. Oh, is he? I hadn't noticed. Abigail's mind was racing, but she still wasn't sure what to say. She grasped onto the first question that came to her mind, anything to keep the conversation going and keep this woman away from him. I'm sorry, I didn't ask you your name. Mine's Abigail. Oh, I'm so sorry. How rude of me. Hi, Abigail. I'm Cecilia. Lovely to meet you.
So before I ask all of you to jump back into the minds of your characters, I want you to pull yourself out of the minds of your characters for a second. And would love to know what you all think is going on. This is purely from a player perspective, not what you think your characters (laughs) think is going on. Like, you can go as meta here as you want. Like, what are your theories? What do you think is going on? I believe the first time I asked this question was actually in season two. In like the fourth episode, when very little information had been given, and one of the players <laughs> absolutely nailed the prediction, so you, you have a little bit better chance because we're a little bit further on. But but what do you what do you think's going on? I mean, we're all on the same page. This is Phantom inspired, yes, right? You. That this is like I mean, this is, opera. Yes. This is just melded a onto <laughs> onto some Yellow King stuff. Like Monty's the Raoul character, supernatural horror. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, to me, it's I. I the, the question is, how is it grafted together, right? So we have our kind of phantom guy. I, I would assume, my assumption is that it's not unlike the, our, our man who was the organist, where there's some sort of supernatural influence that has caused the, either the Duke himself, uh, probably the Duke, to sort of go under some sort of um, transformation, whether it be mental, physical, or both, um, sort of become this phantom character and is trying to make this play happen, this opera happen in order to bring about some sort of supernatural event, which will cause uh, Carcosa? I almost said Carcassonne, which is a game. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The the kingdom of Carcassonne with all of its little fields and... Sweep the nation. Castles and things. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, to come about. I mean, that's, that's where my head is. I keep cracking up because I was thinking about this this morning and absolutely fan of the opera and my favorite characters in the Phantom of the Opera are the managers and the fact that like I have not insisted that we go meet <laughs> these two characters it makes you no meet sense. Andre and Fermin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know why I remember jokes. that. I haven't listened to Phantom in 20 years. But I Andre may or may not have listened this morning. Right but here. can you pick out who the, can you can you remember the names of the managers in this? No. Wait, I have them written down. I wrote them down, but I'm not going to flip and find them. Are you kidding me? Is Andre Let me scroll up. Larson Yu. Larson Yu. Larson Yu and Jacques Peek. Peek or Piku? Okay. Piku. I think. I think it's Piku. But you know how I am with French, so. There is definitely a point where I was like, I when we were going into the box, I was like, in my mind, I was just like, it is box five. And I'm pretty sure that's not the number that you said. Doesn't matter. I don't think I said a number. I feel like it's some, I don't know, but I, I was like, no, I, I keep having to actually remind myself that like this will diverge in, in more ways than just noun names. Have and, we like, looked for a nouns. chandelier yet, though? That's the million dollar <laughs> question. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's true. I mean, if you, if you, you all would have noticed a very large <laughs> chandelier in the <laughs> opera house described. when you were watching LA. True. True. Yeah. <laughs> And it seems to be a little precarious, shall we say? I mean, that's that's up to you to decide whether you think that that's worth paying attention to or it's not. It's going to fall very slowly while the organ... Take a moment to think... Of, put your... Put your Put your mind or put yourself in the mind of the game designer who who wrote this mm. scenario and who designed it around it being a Phantom of the Opera <laughs> play on the Yellow King. And you yeah. tell me whether you think the chandelier is dangerous or not. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I intend to, Monty intends to stand under it looking up at some point. I, uh, my, to piggyback off what Tom was saying, I think that, I think that, that that's right. I think that the thing that I'm looking for though is, um, 
I think that maybe we might be, we might now, if if Cabot in the first one was was just a possessed guy, like under that mask might be the true Yellow King. You know, what? we don't know. Hmm? Like we might be dealing no. with the big, the big man in charge. <laughs> I don't think we're, I don't think we're quite on the Yellow King himself is here. <laughs> I'm just saying we might. Be. I'm not saying we are. I'm saying we might. There's a chance. I don't remember. Does the Yellow King RPG deal strictly in the Yellow King, right? It doesn't treat it as a part of the like Lovecraft mythos. Like it doesn't. A lot of modern things just jam the two together, mm-hmm. even though they don't. They weren't actually brainstormed together. Correct. It it is it is Yellow King focused. The the like the great evil of the of the setting is the yellow king now okay. there are the it, it also allows for and i think encourages there to be kind of other more minor threats that yeah. may or may not be related to uh the yellow king trying to take over earth and bring about its connection <laughs> to carcosa but um <laughs> but we're not going to be seeing a shug off come through like a no, portal or something yes that was... yes uh, yeah okay. no no great old ones probably probably See, this most is, likely this has been the thing that i keep thinking though because like I, I'm so stuck on the idea that, like, really, at this point, and of course I have, I have full expectation this will change, like, all we've seen are some plot details that, like, remind us of what we know about this thing. Everything else has just been a creepy guy who maybe likes to sneak around little air ducks and, like, hook up with hot sopranos. Like, could be normal here. <laughs> We know something else is going on. <laughs> of course something else is going on. I fully admit this, but... <laughs> the, the, I think the big monster ball in this so far right now is we don't we, we have only read Act 1 of the play, right? Mm. Correct me if I'm yes, wrong. Yes, that's mm-hmm. correct, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that with, with my limited knowledge of the Yellow King mythos, because uh, uh, I have none, uh, and my experience <laughs> playing these games before, though, I have a feeling that we, us reading the first act of the play and being like, well, that was fine, is is <laughs> not as... I mean, it was probably it was good. We, we had good roles, but I don't think we actually saw the stuff that, like, really... Oh, yeah, the, the yeah. real bad stuff. So yeah. I think Absolutely. that that's what we're dealing with. That second act is what's looming over the third act of our show. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I agreed. <laughs> Well, yeah, and like it's, I'm, I'm gonna be very curious because my understanding of what the, the opera is is that it's coming from a couple filters off of the original like, madness-inducing play. Yes. So yes, yes, I don't yes. know. Like I think we were told that they only had Act One is in the libretto that we just burned. So I don't know. Like my concern is they're trying to put pieces in place to amplify the madness rather absolutely. than filter mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very much thinking that like we are built like the their their plan is to get that play on stage with creep music that will make you susceptible yeah. and then just infect as many people. Certainly as sounds like a plan that the Yellow King himself would want to oversee. Maybe there's only one man who could have done this. Level. There's only there's only one king who could have done this. <laughs> Elvis. <laughs> the the amount of crossover of like sexy yellow king art that I found on Tumblr and like sexy no. fan of the opera art. No, I'm no. just saying oh, maybe there know. is a link. No. The latter, oh, yeah. I drew all of that. But we're not we're not encouraging anyone go look that up after the episode, but we're also <laughs> but not discouraging. We are I, mean, I want to make something I want to make something crystal clear. I'm going to lean into the microphone. I want mm. people out there listening to understand this. What we are encouraging and what we are not just encouraging but requiring 
is that you do dirty art of your favorite characters from this podcast. <laughs> uh, and you, that, if you're listening right now and you're a dirty artist, you're thinking, I wonder what Monty's hog looks like. Oh, That's no. up to you. That's up to you. Oh. The DMs and, are open. Yeah. And then just it's a dream, you don't even really. need to tell us. We'll find. Oh, we'll find it. Trust me, we'll find it. But call to arms. Yeah, you're, t- let's, you're let's telling me the... Mikey Krennic doesn't Google Donald Braith every morning just to yeah, see what I, else that's is all up like to there. see. <laughs> just to finally see it. And he's been disappointed at the zero hits. That's why. Yeah, point, just yeah. a man named Donald Braith that I keep visiting his LinkedIn page, and he's like, why does this guy keep getting a notification? <laughs> All right, so let's let's dive back in. Uh, when we left the group off, they had acquired what is supposedly the only copy of the libretto of uh, Casilda and burned it. And then they decided to visit the apartment, the 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 supposedly secret but not so secret from his wife rented apartment <laughs> of the Duke de Rudier to see who was living there, to see whether he or this masked man, or maybe they're the same, were using this as a base of operations. They go there during a performance, during a performance of L.A., uh, hopefully, or they, I believe, were hoping that no one would be there. And in fact, no one was there. And as we finished, a few things came up. Uh, For Frances, using her intuition ability... It looked like a woman was living here, and she feels just there's just some sort of inkling for her that is telling her that this is Celeste that's probably living in this apartment. Monty went into a back room and found that it looks like one of the rooms has been converted to a bit of a studio where it looks like someone's practicing vocals. Again, makes sense if it's Celeste. And the last thing we found was that Donald found a little scrap of paper that was sitting on the dining room table that just said... I'll be back soon. Please wait for me. And I, we had a little bit of a discussion after the episode ended to, to get a little clarity on whose handwriting was what. And so you've <laughs> you've all seen three notes where there's some relevant handwriting. You have seen the the letter that the the Duke de Rudier uh, supposedly gave to his wife when he when he disappeared a few weeks ago. You have a, uh, some notes that were written that you found in the Duc de Rudier's library. And now there's this third note. The first note and the third note have handwriting that matches. And they, and those do not match what you believe is is the, the one you are most sure is the Duc de Rudier's handwriting, the ones from his library. Well, we, we certainly, we have enough now to know that, 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 that the, the Duke, uh, as, 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 as he is in his own time, uh, from, from the notes that Francis got from the library, that hmm. those that handwriting does not match this, nor does it match, as far as I can recall, nor does it match the letter uh, the Duchess had. I, 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 do you think we're dealing with with two individuals uh, under the spell of this thrall? Does does the things about the Duke change? I, I. <clears throat> My concern is perhaps someone has indeed disposed of the Duke de Rudier, or it, it for as. Um... <laughs> Awful as the Duke supposedly is, uh, he may even be in need of some sort of rescue. Hmm. I'm I'm very curious because it, if if as we believe these are Celeste's rooms at this point, she is the person staying here, and if we believe that at some point there was a connection between Celeste and the actual Duke, and I don't know if we know that. I don't know if her connection is with whoever this strange masked person is or if she knew the duke prior to or 
Honestly, I just want to know if someone is running around this apartment wearing a mask the whole time. Or if this is a place where she's seeing something else. I feel as though the Duke was not the type of person to make romantic connections in the way that we have... Mm. See, it seems that he is connected to this um, this young woman with Celeste. I mean, if he is using her for, to his own ends, that is, that's something else entirely. But I wouldn't assume that the Duke, as we understood him, cared for someone like Celeste in the mm. way that... Celeste seems to think she is cared for. When she may be very wrong. True. There have been many uh, a powerful man who's led many a, a poor uh, woman astray with his promises. But I, I, I don't... I've heard tell. <laughs> well, I'm, I, my, uh, I ran into quite a few of them uh, myself. Uh, well, I, <laughs> he's trying not to talk about his sister, folks. Uh-huh. Francis is just like cocking mm-hmm. an eyebrow at him, which she can I cannot do personally, but Francis can. <laughs> For sure, Francis can. <laughs> Francis is good as the rock. Yeah, the artist's exactly. eyebrow. That comes with the steel ability. When you get that, you're also mm-hmm. able to do the eyebrow. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. My, my, my fear, no matter who this is, it isn't... Uh, he had access to the Duke's booth. I mean, Monty, you saw, mm. I saw as well, mm. that hand that emerged that seemed to correct her performance. I, I, I believe that the answers we seek are, that I still believe they're in that air duct you two were talking about before. I just don't know how to... <clears throat> yes. I think we need to get to the Opera House again. I think that's where more of our answers I'm inclined be. to agree. I think we need to get there post-haste, especially now that we've come here and seen... There's not much, there doesn't appear to be much else to see here. It's confirmed our suspicions in a broad sense about Celeste and about the unusual nature of whoever, of what the Duke has become or whoever is impersonating him currently. But I agree, I think any additional answer is going to be found from that opera box at the theater itself. Is there not a performance currently going on there? I believe there is. There is, yes. I don't know if I'll be able to... With people there, I, I fear... I just... This note does... Well, it says back soon. I don't know when it was written, but we might... Mm-hmm. It's very we might curious. be caught flat-footed here in a moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Maybe what we need to do is to get back to the opera and instead of being out in the house this time, do a bit of lurking, do a bit of seeing what we can see. I am concerned. If we are able... To get into that opera box, I'm able to get through into that vent in order to determine where it goes. Or perhaps, with our good friend here, uh, Donald, with you being able to, your architectural skill, you may even be able to determine without us having to go in where it might feed out to. Exactly. We might be able to get to the other end of it. My concern is that, though I, I don't know if we will face a gargoyle creature or not, we may encounter some other form of danger. I feel like we should be prepared for that this evening in case it ha- in case that occurs. Yes, I think that perhaps our best bet for avoiding danger in that sense is, I, I tend to agree, would be to, maybe our, our, our opera house adventure can, can wait till the daylight when there's less of a chance anyone's in that box or heaven forbid in the fence. Perhaps, perhaps we could keep a safe distance from, from here and see who comes home soon. Hmm. Hmm. Watch the apartment this evening and then go back to the theater in the morning. 
we do have the backstage connection. We might be able to get into the theater when there's nothing going on. My suspicion, and I, I, I like the idea. My suspicion is that this note was left by the Duke, or the Duke in quotes, for Celeste some time ago, uh, about the time that, perhaps about the time that the real Duke disappeared for America. Very true. Um, and that Celeste is the only one that will be here using this as a, as a, a home. However, I do uh, agree that perhaps if we watch the house and we can confirm that that is the case, that Celeste is the only one coming and going from this apartment. My only concern with the timing, though, I do agree. Wouldn't there be more old papers about when uh, if there's mm. the Duke's been gone for some time? I just, I perhaps. suppose, Monty. There's only one way for us to find out now, isn't there? I agree. Uh, yes, I, I think, I think maybe that is, that is the the path to tread. Francis, do you have any thoughts on this in terms of what your preference is for investigation? I think there's a lot of. It makes a, a good deal of sense to to split this up. I, I admit, I, I I am curious just to know if there's anything else we could see about. So I I think based on what we saw last night. There is every reason to suspect, at the moment, there was someone in that box who is watching Celeste sing. And whoever that person is, I think they're the baddie, and is the one responsible <laughs> for trying to get this opera off the ground. And I, I admit it's, it's, we've got no way of knowing where and where that person's coming from, because they can just use those damned ducts. And so I don't, they're going to be particularly hard to find. I think Celeste is the one we need to talk to because I think she's going to have at least something to tell us about how their connection is still happening, how she is in communication with that person, whoever they may be. Are you perhaps suggesting that we wait this evening until she arrives at the apartment and then we corner her here, for lack of a better term, in order to... Corner with much politeness and, you know, a welcoming... Won't that betray our position? Won't that raise the Duke's alarms? That's... I I am concerned about that. I also suspect... uh, Now, I may have been a bit forward in my approach previously. (laughs) However, I suspect that any kind of cornering with politeness or not, she is going to want to get away. I don't think she's going to be particularly open to any social uh, interactions regardless of how pleasantly we present ourselves and I do agree Francis that man in the box that is that is our baddie as you say that is <laughs> I've just man invented the, the term <laughs> Francis if, if this is our, our our arch enemy in this scenario if this is mm-hmm. our the mastermind behind it all I don't think we'll be confronting him at any point. I think that the only time we're going to be confronting that individual will be when we're ready to, well, to end this. I, I, I fear him as much as you do. He'll certainly start it again. If, if we're able to ter- determine where he goes from the box, mm. some sort of room, lair, something or other where he goes, we'll have all the information necessary to trap him if we need to. And we'll have the drop on him. And we can have the drop on him because we know at least one scheduled moment where he will not be in wherever else he goes, when he will be in that box. Mm. And we know that he goes to and from that box via the vents. So, 
whether we trap him in the box and during the performance, which might be a little public, or we go wherever the vent leads, go there when we know he is watching the performance, and then w wait for him to return. I think we may be able to get the drop on him, but that does require us to find the other terminus of this vent system. Indeed. Suppose with the evening in front of us, uh, not much time left in it to uh, attempt that sort of uh, endeavor. I Perhaps we are best served either staying here and observing who arrives or going home for the evening. I don't know if anything beyond that will serve our means. Should we, Francis, should we stake out the apartment? I think so. I think that is knowledge that will be valuable, regardless of anything else. I I would very much like to talk to her, but I, you're right. I think she doesn't want to talk to anyone. And I don't know the way to, to go about it that won't send her. And I'm concerned if she is in touch with whoever is is the, who, who or whatever the Duke is currently. If he isn't set off already, that will be the thing that brings him, that could bring him to us before we are ready to face him. Is there, is there, hmm. Well, obviously, there have been far too many notes for my taste, but could we potentially find some way to leave a note here? I mean, there's every possibility it might be found by someone else, but if there's any way to introduce the idea that there are people she could potentially talk to who might be able to help in some way? I don't know if this young lady wants help. She may not think she needs help at all. You saw what happened to Albert. Albert went back and tried to help her. Now, where's Albert now? But did Albert ever reach her? Or was he stopped before? For all she knows, he's out there and no one's told her that this person that she probably cared for very much is covered in lesions and dead. No, that's true. But what I know for sure is that Albert is dead. That man has to bury his own grandson because of this individual, because of this woman that we're talking about right here and right now. So while I do feel tremendous sympathy for those in need and I feel tremendous sympathy for those trapped in situations that they, I'm sorry, I, this woman's fate means nothing to me. I think she may have knowledge though. That's my, that's my concern. She may know something that might be of use, but I don't know how to find it. So it sounds to me like the plan is to stake out the apartment and it's unclear whether once something <laughs> once you once once something happens you decide what you want to do from there. I'm just trying to decide if there would be any benefit based on um, what Emily said here if there would be any benefit to plagiarizing not plagiarizing excuse me forging um, forging thank you plagiarizing forging a letter from the Duke mm. saying something, but I don't know what we would, I was trying to think what, what we could gain use. from that, yeah. but I don't know, I don't know exactly what, if we know enough in order to in somehow change what's happening here. Could it be if, if we were able, I, I mean, I don't know if any of us have any skill at imitating other people's handwriting, but. I mean, it would, if of, be of anyone here, it would likely yeah. be me, but. Yeah. That would be I probably, mean, is there a criminal? No, there's no criminal. Demi Monde. Demi Monde. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Between my man of letters and my Demi Monde, I think if anyone is going to have even Forger. a shot at forging anything. I mean, I forged a couple of letters in, in my time. Haven't you know, we my all? My father, etc. It's <laughs> just permission what slips. you do. One, one other thing I'll point out as you're discussing, I think, is that you feel pretty confident that she saw and briefly interacted with Monty. <laughs> 
Whether yeah. she saw Donald and Francis Fair. as they were trying to follow her, <laughs> it's unclear. I think I think Monty is the one that kind of disrupted that also. So. But if she saw Monty with all three, two of us, she'd probably be like, ah, now wait a minute. Sure, sure, wait, sure. But it, it, there are ways to make sure that, <laughs> that she doesn't yeah, see Monty. Yeah, just hide his dumb face. Yes. I, I think my, my thought is, and I don't know, Monty, where your mind was going with this idea to... To potentially forge uh, another note, but what? I mean, is it? I just want to talk to her. I want to know what's going on. Could we write a note that says, "By the way, there are three lovely people who'd be ever so delighted to talk to you." I mean, I doubt he sounds like you, Monty, but you never know. <laughs> Donald interrupts. He like he interrupts loudly. I won't be as loud. There is a tremendous evil. There is a tremendous evil down the street from us. There are people lying dead, covered in black sores. We saw what we saw six months ago. We've been where we've been. We've done what we've done. We know what that can do. We've seen the darker side of this world, or the other, or whichever. We've seen it all now. I can't care whether or not this individual is involved, not involved. Uh, we have, we have a place. We have a face. We have a time. That's all I've ever needed to make sure these scenarios, these situations end once and for all. We never have to go back here again. We never have to think about this again. We can move forward in the natural world, the world that we live in. Not this one. I don't want to spend another minute in it. I don't want to spend a moment in this apartment. I don't want to spend another moment in this world. I don't want to spend another moment on this investigation that we don't need to spend. And he leaves. It doesn't go anywhere. He's just standing outside. Yeah. <laughs> as, just fuming, usual, fuming outside. Yeah. Francis, I am. Um, you well, know, my friend is um, going a bit volatile again, I, I see. Um, <laughs> I will express my own feelings on that. I, I, I do appreciate where you're coming from here with wishing, wishing to speak to Celeste, because I am concerned that she is a bit of an unwitting victim. However, I do have to stress that we do not know if we can trust her, number one. And number two, the only people that we know who had an actual connection with her have turned up dead. That does not fill me with a great deal of confidence in our ability to connect with her in a way that would be safe and, and prosperous for the investigation. I have no confidence. I, I have no belief that we're doing any of this the correct way. I just know if we had gone charging into that apartment six months ago and found what we found there without knowing every bit of information we found first, more than us would be dead. And that's the only thing that terrifies me, yeah. is that if there is something out there that we don't find, we will not be able to do anything at all. And if we can't do anything, no one else is going to do anything at all. And whatever it is they're trying to, to do to get away with and inflict upon this world, they will do it. And we will be long gone and unable to stop it. But at the same time, we need all three of us. And if Donald can't wait anymore, I think it's more important that we have him with us. Let me just ask before we go out back to, to, to Don. If you had your will, what, what would what would an ideal outcome for this situation be? <laughs> this is the banter segment is, of the next It's time to discuss. It's, it's time for some business talk. What would be the ideal outcome of this situation for you situation as a person you? and your character? <laughs> <laughs> oh, in an ideal world, 
whatever masked figure is doing this is someone that can be shot and stopped with a gun. And we would be able to stop it, and it would be able to end. And because this is castles in the skyland, we all three do it and move on exactly as Donald said. I don't know if 10% of that is possible, but that would be ideal. All right. Do you have an answer for your own question? I do not. My ideal would simply be putting an end to all of this, and uh, I don't know what form that takes anymore. So I'm with you that I think we need to, uh, that we do need to regroup with Don. I think we can convince him at the very least to watch this apartment um, for the evening. He seemed keen on that. Acting on whatever we see, that will that will be a different question, I think, but... For all we know, Celeste will arrive and do an interpretive dance that means I have much information I would like to share, and we will all <laughs> understand it instantly. There is the ideal There's outcome. our idea! Perfect. We found it! That's it. That's it. Alright. I will, um... I like the note idea, but I have absolutely no end goal for that. I have nothing, no, I agree. no assumed outcome for that, so I'm, I'm not going to execute it. So uh, I will uh, turn away from Francis for a moment before I turn back and uh, and just say to I'll just say to him, we do rely on you, you know. And then I'll turn away and walk down the stairs out of the apartment. Says so on my sheet. <laughs> <laughs> and I will I will say that Frances will take a second she will take a deep breath and she will walk out the door and she is convinced that the people will be waiting for her outside she's not worried about anybody leaving alright so you head downstairs Don you're still standing out of the apartment night has fallen um, you think the opera is probably about halfway through based on your attendance last night I'm just going to, when I get downstairs, I'm just going to put my uh, hand on, on his shoulder. I'm not going to say anything, but just a hand on Don's shoulder as he's kind of standing there. And I lose it, like I detense, like just, okay, somebody, like, because he's probably worried now that now I don't have any friends anymore. He's just <laughs> thinking a million things, so it probably oh, makes no. him feel better to some degree. <laughs> Francis will, like, take her time coming down the stairs and will, like, be listening if there's any, like, heart-to-heart going. And and if, it, if not, she'll she'll come on out. She doesn't seem upset. Well. I apologize for losing my temper. I find that these situations I am not well equipped for. I defer to your wisdom, and as such, I apologize for losing my temper. I mean, does one need to accept apology if we're all standing on the same cliff's edge? And we all know exactly how close that edge is, and... We're not at our best, and we're all there together. I think we just keep going. Hopefully not over the edge until a little bit later, but... Unless we already are. You never know! <laughs> so, does it is the plan to... Stay, stay out. out stay, the apartment? Yeah, stay, yeah, 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 we'll stay, stay out. Rest, yeah. Okay. <laughs> get sandwiches. Took us 45 minutes, but we'll get there. We're going to stake out the apartment. <laughs> I would, yeah, right? We'll stake out the apartment that we've been just standing in. Good, thank goodness it didn't. <laughs> just having just these end. long conversations. Yeah, so I said, oh, yeah, hey. She, uh, has, it's a, she has a very long solo in the show. Yes. <laughs> Quite the aria. I have, uh, let's, well, I guess we should, do we have to do sneak? 
Not necessarily. Where do you want to? Where do you want to go? Do you want to stand across the street and pretend like you're <laughs> right under the street? Is light? there anywhere tucked away? <laughs> Give us a picture. That can see. Mm. Yeah, like, I just kind of want to get a sense if there's somewhere sort of tucked away alley or something where we can see what would be the main entrance to this building, where people would have to use. I think if you're trying to literally hide uh, rather than kind of blend in, yeah, there there are alleyways and things to uh, to kind of stand down. You know, it, there's a chance, I suppose, in that instance that you know every once in a while, as you kind of check, maybe she would see you. I think you know there's a, it's pretty low chance, or you know, um, but yeah, I think that I think you're it's easy enough to kind of keep yourself hidden. Well, if Monty just keeps her ha- his his face away from her, she won't. <laughs> we get to stay blended in. She won't know. I mean, and honestly, like I would love to find a place that has limited access because all I can think about is somebody sneaking up and jabbing one of us with whatever the hell just got Albert. Like I. So if there's if there's any That's way fair. there is a rogue poisoner a on the loose. Poisoner. <laughs> the and here we poisoner. are outside this place. <laughs> I I will say I, I had decided thinking before we, we got back to this that like having watched things gnaw on both Donald and Monty, Francis has been wearing lots of layers. <laughs> yeah. Because she well, doesn't say, want anything exposed. Was... Where was the, it was in the, under the armpit, right? Was the incision like on the Ugh. side? Yeah. It was somewhere yeah. So on just, the side. Yeah, just keep your arms at the level of your sides. You'll <laughs> <laughs> be fine. I can do. Keep your arms at the level of your side. Track down this murderer, he must be found. Track down this poisoner, he must be found. He's <laughs> paid on us. No, we can't. We're going to have to pay for the rights. Yeah. That's, that's more than 30 seconds. um Um, yeah i think i i I think with with the time that you have you're uh, there's no reason that you can't find a good vantage point that would make it hard for someone to see you but that you can kind of keep an eye on the front of the apartment i think that's i think there's no issue with that okay francis has snacks by the way she'll pass out snacks thank you of course I've got a big bag. Was this that jerky that I enjoy so much? Thank you very much. <laughs> you know I always pick up extra for you. <laughs> uh, so you wait another, you know, it's probably an hour and a half or two hours. Uh, it's getting well on into the evening, uh, into uh, getting close to, to the end of the day, getting closer to, to midnight, probably around 1030 or 11 o'clock. And the streets have kind of quieted out. Not a lot of people moving about anymore. And you see... A woman walking from the direction of the opera house down the street toward the apartment. It's Celeste. She looks on edge, I would say. You know, she's kind of looking over her shoulder a little bit. She's moving pretty quickly. Doesn't seem like she feels terribly comfortable being outside. She walks to the door of the apartment building. Looks like she's going to head in. You stay where you are. Francis. Yes. Francis. Yes. Don. Did we leave everything in order back at the apartment? Or is it very obvious that someone's not there? We did not take the time to do it. We did not tell it. We No, no. We, we've well, Donald we certainly doesn't know because he left. So. Mm-hmm. It's not my fault I wasn't there. <laughs> I wish we had. I don't know that we did. I mean, I don't know how much you rummaged around. It wasn't like... 
Yeah, he didn't leave any prints. She doesn't have a duster. I don't think you turned the place. We'll just have to trust that it wasn't uh-huh. so we weren't so disruptive that she'll notice. Did we did we leave the note? We didn't take it with us, did we? It's still going to be worth it. Well, this note? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just been, uh, like, doodling on the note for the past hour. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing if he can match his own handwriting to it to see if there's any any similarities. Just in case. For kicks. Practicing his demi-mom. Yeah, she opens the door and she goes inside. Yeah, I think we just needed to know if she was going to be in there on her own. Or if... Did she seem she seemed on edge, you said, right? She seemed she seemed very on edge, yes. Looking for Monty. Perhaps the stocks are in the streets. <laughs> I'm imagining us in like a duck blind for some reason <laughs> on yeah. these Parisian streets. <laughs> <laughs> You're using the, the uh the 1895 zoom feature on your Kodak. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. I've just pictured us full Scooby Doo with like three heads poking out from around a corner. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody saw a thing. About a minute later, you see what looks like probably a candle uh, light up in the window. You see anything? Can we see the window? Or can we? I think the curtains are probably drawn. Maybe you see mm. what looks like maybe a shadow kind of moving across it every once in a while. Mm. It's hard to make out a, a clear picture of who it might be. But, I mean, you assume. You saw her, you saw her go in. Yeah, Don's definitely jittery because her looking concerned probably has him now, like... Oh no, now I want to save this person because it's like he loves being able to be like, I don't care about anyone until they're in front of him. And then <laughs> now I care about everybody. I hate everybody. So he probably just would be like, I don't think we'll be finding. Did you notice anything strange about her? I mean, she's scared. <sighs> yeah. And that's good to know. I think we all are. I think that Donald also really didn't want her to be scared because he would have really liked it to be, she had no, like, she was just part of it. Like, in, I think yeah. that that's what he's she really was looking for. Yeah. yeah, that he yeah. could just be like, sure, she, that's why the kid died. Like, yeah. But mm-hmm. her looking scared is like the worst possible thing <laughs> in terms of his how he's interpreting it. So he's not happy. Yeah. This, uh, this is our likely final chance if we do wish to actually confront her face to face. Otherwise, I suggest we uh, abandon our stake out here and retire. I, I, I agree. Francis? I mean, I'm I'm weighing, right? I'm weighing if... Francis, I don't... The last thing I want to do is put you into danger. Hmm. Would this be... Would it be possible if just you went to talk to her? She's seen Monty's face. She's... And when we get to the vents and the... That... that we would never have sent you into the vents to... You will never have to face... Yeah, I, th- I think, I think you're right, Monty. I think that we'll be here. We'll, we won't go anywhere. So if if that would, yeah, I think that that would be fine. I can try. She may not want to talk to me either. Only, only if you are, yes, one hundred percent in on this particular <laughs> idea. I don't want to force you to do something you are not feeling up for doing. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly, I'd. I don't love the idea myself, but that is because I'm extremely wary of this whole thing. But I know that you were interested in speaking with her, and this may be the opportunity for that. And she did look so frightened. Yeah, Francis is going to sit on that because, I mean, same, right? She she was also... I mean, the way the story goes, it's a young innocent, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she was making that assumption. 
And Mm -hmm. honestly, Donald's outburst reminded her that, like, you may be assuming some things that aren't the way the world actually works. Mm -hmm. So now they're both dealing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so now she's seeing that, like, oh, no, there's there's a scared person up there. Frances can always bring the pistol with her if she needs to. That's true. She's got I a big bag. A she, can, she can slide it in there. You kill a soprano, it's like worth One seven less years soprano that in luck. the world. <laughs> They've all got consumption anyway. You're just yeah. easing the road. <laughs> Christ. Okay. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> um, you can threaten her until she learns how to actually read music. Ouch. <laughs> Learn a harmony, damn it. Um, okay. Okay. Yes, I'm an alto. So, um, Frances, I, I imagine she was sitting down. She's going to haul herself up. And uh, she's going to eye that window. And, well, if I give you a sign that everything goes wrong, what should it be? If I need two friends to rush up those stairs and, and try to come help. Any ideas? I could lean out the window and say it's all gone wrong. <laughs> or simply if you uh, just two loud bangs on the window that's probably a little less obvious something that we could hear but something that would not necessarily draw a great deal of attention otherwise fair enough and I may be back in half a second who knows um we'll be ready please uh, I know I know you don't need <laughs> you don't need me to say this but uh, please be careful and she's going to open her satchel. She looks at the gun. And she's like, so you point it and then you pull the little curve bit. Mm-hmm. Great. Is there a safety on these things? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's not. In, uh, no, in, in the whole, I'll say, I don't know that in the late 1890s there were. I'm not sure. I, I don't know when the safety was invented. Yeah, I have no idea. I think it's just hammer down, pull the trigger. I think, I think, I think yep. it's, I believe so. Fantastic. All right, so right. Francis uh, Francis heads into the apartment and up the stairs. Do you knock? Oh my, I have no idea how this is supposed to go. <laughs> I don't, how do you sneak up on someone late at night and, and like have a conversation? Um, I was going to have an outside conversation with Monty. So, all right, so I imagine is she, let's just assume she's out of earshot. <laughs> what do you think, Monty? Do you think we did the right thing letting her go in there? Don, if something happens to her up there, I will never, ever forgive myself. So I I can't really answer that question right now. I think I have to... She She's her own person. She can do what she wants. And this could be an extremely productive... It, it, this could be what ends up cracking this wide open for all of us. So this may be the best thing that happens on this on these last several nights. But... Um, I would be lying if, if I told you right now that my stomach was not in knots over this. Guilt is a very difficult burden to bear on a daily basis, and I, I f- would share in your guilt. But I, I barely have space in my heart for any more. I, any one of us at any moment could make the wrong decision here, go to the wrong house, talk to the wrong person, find themselves on the 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 butt end of a gun. I could. You could. Francis could. I, Monty, I need I need to ask you a favor. What is it, Don? If at any point I am the one who makes that incorrect step, I need you to go to Father Sicard and I need you to find my sister. Your sister? Is she, she's missing? Monty, please. If I make 
the wrong step. I need you to find my sister. Okay, Dom. I'll find your sister. Thank you. And we cut back up just outside the door of the apartment. Francis? <sighs> Francis is going to use some of her steel upon herself. Okay. Um. <laughs> Good start. <laughs> that count as a push? <laughs> uh, um, wait, does that well check this? <laughs> I don't think no, any pushes left. Ain't no more pushes here. Yeah, I've been I pushed. I think we're all out of pushes, right? Maybe. <laughs> because you see, it was very important. I advanced I my have career. One left. Yes. <laughs> I have one left. Good. good I, yeah, I have one as well. I think we both have. I think there's yeah. two pushes in the group right now. Okay. Um. Do you want my push for that? Then, like, can I? Like, should I? Do you want? No, this is gonna be stealing gonna be, help. It might not be anything. <laughs> mm, true. Valid. No, I, I, I am just stealing myself, and in the old, in the old-fashioned way. I feel like Frances is a big proponent of deep breaths. She does it a lot. Um, so she's gonna like stand in front of the door and she she was she made her way up the stairs and she has no plan. Um, so she's going with no plan and hoping that honesty is gonna be the, the way to go. Um, standing outside her door, just in case, can I hear anything that sounds like there might be someone else inside that apartment? Would you like to give me a sense trouble roll? Sure. Um, and you can choose if you want to spend anything. Being by myself seems like the time. If I'm going to, to spend, I should spend. Mm -hmm. So okay. what the hell? I'm, I have three. I'm going to use all three. Alrighty, oh, go man. ahead. Okay. Never split the party. That's one of the rules. <laughs> That's a D&D &D rule. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, yeah, we're it's, always splitting the party here. Yeah, splitting the, <laughs> splitting the party is better in a horror game. I mean, it's better I'm, for the DM specifically, but it is right. better. <laughs> oh, is it? All right. I'm glad it's better for the DM because I am Mr. Party Splitter every time yeah, I've ever played a horror game. I love splitting the party. I love going off with different people or letting other people. Like, it's just fun. So I'm it's glad it's more, good for more the DM. Scene, more scenes that I can, that I can, I can work us through. Uh, so yeah. go, ahead, go ahead and roll, Francis. Um, I, I got a three plus three, so I got a six. Three plus three is six. Uh, you hear someone moving around inside. Only sounds like one person. You don't hear any voices. Um, other than every once in a while, you hear, you assume Celeste kind of singing to herself, humming a little bit. Relatable. Okay. I will knock softly. Not in a scary way. I'm not like sure. shaving and haircutting, <laughs> but like I'm not gonna pound. <laughs> so just like you know, a gentle rap. Yes. Despite the care that you take, <laughs> as soon as you knock, you hear <laughs> like maybe she dropped something. Like you, you can tell that she no. was startled. This poor angel. Okay. But then a few seconds go by, and you hear footsteps that seem to be moving toward the door. And she opens it up a little bit and kind of looks around the door and she sees you. And I think you would say from your assess honesty, I think that mm. is probably what works for kind of reading emotions. Yeah. She looks relieved when she sees you. Okay. Um, I will attempt to have my kindest face on, you know, with my creepy bag of faces that I carry around with me everywhere. Um, you know, there's a little lore drop for you. No, that's horrible. <laughs> um, but, uh, Miss Celeste? Yes? My name is Frances. Frances Anderson. 
I know it's late. I, I know you've had a long day. To be quite honest, I saw you on the street and you looked rattled. Are you alright? How do you... How do you know my name? Oh, I'm an opera fan. I saw the show last night. It was wonderful. Thank you. And her voice is like, it's it's shaking. Like, she's, she's very scared. But yeah. almost like existentially scared right like she doesn't seem particularly scared of you i'm not very threatening <laughs> <laughs> i did not draw the gun before i knocked i was gonna say unless the gun comes out <laughs> yeah well, then it's a little it's a little change of pace uh but she says no i'm i'm okay dear heart i know you're not i have an idea why but i i know very little and i would like to help if i can't help in a big way help in a way that Makes you slightly less scared. Just for now. She doesn't say anything, but she opens the door further and kind of steps back, looking like she's going to let you inside. I make a mean cup of tea, if you have any. Uh, yeah, I think I think I do. And she uh, she lets you in and kind of closes the door behind you. Cool. I, I will go to wherever it looks like there is a way to make tea. I'm not a Yeah, tea you probably you probably personally. saw it when you were in here before. Um, <laughs> I there's will a... not go there confidently like I was in here <laughs> an hour ago. I, I will there's pretend tea to over oh, here, I wonder right? where. <laughs> you keep the tea there. God, can you imagine how unsettling that would be? No. Um I will, you know, do the whole this way. Yeah. Um and I will I will start doing that until she stops me. Um, just to have something very normal to do to make this okay. feel as chill as possible. Do you say anything while you're making the tea? Do you? She doesn't. <clears throat> she she just kind of seems to be like, I don't know, like winding down, like getting getting ready to go to sleep. Fair. Uh, so as I as I do the, the mystical things that one does to make tea, water, boiling, I don't know. Um, yeah. Leaves. Once- <laughs> exactly. Put them in. It's great. Leaf water. Um, once the water's on the on the, like the stove or whatever, what have you. So, I mean, this is awkward, isn't it? This is just a little bit awkward. Maybe it'll be best if I lead with what I know, and we see how what we both know comes together. Truth be told, I don't have the most experience going to the opera, but I like it very much. And it was very surprising whenever we saw your face on a poster two days ago. It was surprising because of the content of what was on the poster and what's in the opera. I know a little bit about what's in the opera. You know, I haven't read the libretto, but my friends did. They seemed a little bit shaken. And I know that the route it's taken to get to the stage for this Casilda opera is unusual. And I know there's been unusual circumstances propelling you into the leading lady position. And I know that most people in your position would be delighted and would be welcoming accolades. And that's not the sense I'm getting. And I'm very worried because I know that this is an apartment that you don't own. And I know the person who does own it. And normally... Life is life, and your life is your life, and I'm not here to put any judgment whatsoever upon what people do with their life and their time. But I'm not entirely sure if the person who owns this apartment is the person you know or not. 
And whoever that person is, I don't think they mean well. And I'm worried about you specifically. Does any of that align with your experience? So as you were talking, she kind of wasn't making eye contact with you at first. And then as you start to get more specific, she starts focusing in on you. And you can see that she starts to become kind of overcome with emotion. And by the time you've finished, she has started to cry. And she kind of drops down to her knees with her with her hands kind of covering her face. And she's she's just she's weeping. As soon as she goes down, Francis goes down, too, um, and is going to be there on her level um, and is going to attempt to, like, put a hand on her on her shoulder. And she just says, I, I'm just I, I'm just I, I don't know about any of those things. I just I'm just trying to just trying to get better and to to be able to do the role i'm just i'm just trying to be able to perform it well darling i'm sure you are i'm sure you're doing very well there's tell me how it's going for you what's if if you don't know about the things that i was talking about fine what do you know you've done i i'm gonna take a bold move here and say you've done nothing wrong and she looks up at you and she says i know more than I want to. I. It's. It's not that I don't know. I. I do. But the man that you think is tutoring me, the man that you think is behind this, it's. It's not him. I. And don't ask me anymore because I don't know. I. Please don't ask me to. To tell you who it is, but just know that he should be avoided at at all costs. You should give up and stay away. I. I don't want to put you in any more danger than you already are. And that is where we're going to end our story for now. Mm. Interessant! Jeez. This podcast was created using the Yellow King RPG by Pelgrane Press and is based on an adventure written by Robin D. Laws called Ghosts of the Garnier, both used under the Pelgrane Press limited community use policy along with the music from the Yellow King Suite, written by James Semple. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the nature of my game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or at nomgpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit www.patreon.com slash nomgpodcast. <laughs>